On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are batters up with the TV adaptation of A League of Their Own on Prime Video, weathering the storm inside a hospital with Vera Farmiga in five days at Memorial on Apple, and finally able to tell the difference between our waking lives and dreams in the long-awaited adaptation of Neil Gaiman's hugely influential comic The Sandman on Netflix. And speaking of which, The Sandman himself, Mr. Tom Sturridge, and co-star Vivienne Achimpong join us a little later on the show to dream us a little dream about that. I'm James Dyer, the real one this time, and welcome <laughs> to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and one that has just about recovered from last week's <laughs> insurgency, during which the rule of law was temporarily suspended in favour of, let's be honest, unfettered anarchy. Uh, <laughs> with me, however, as we, you know, straighten the furniture and sweep up the debris and try and get those suspicious stains out of the carpet, are two of the anarchists in question, specifically Boyd, Breederphile Hilton, and Beth the Gilmore Girl web. Uh, how are we? Did we have fun without me? Oh, we had the most fun. We coloured outside the lines. We uh, yeah. we slapped the tables. We shook the microphones. We drank about four cans of Fizzy Pop each into the microphones. Risky was there, just sort of freestyling at one stage. It was glorious. It was glorious. I don't remember any of this, but yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what happened. I was, I was, you know, I listened, I listened to it. You know, I must admit that sound quality was maybe not what I would have put up with myself, but fine. You know, who Could am you I tell? to judge? Could you tell that there was like a two or three second delay? With, I couldn't tell I was, there was a delay, oh, actually. That you good. did sound like you were talking through like an 80s CB <laughs> radio through time. Do you remember that? Wow. Do you remember Frequency, the film Frequency? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's talking through time through the, yeah, that's yeah, basically so. what you were coming through. It felt oh, like you were in the 1950s talking to us in the present oh, via the medium of ham radio right so it wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't not perfect uh, but uh, you know it was okay. fun. I will say I didn't I didn't the thing I didn't miss the most I didn't miss editing it I didn't miss editing it because I imagine I imagine the logistical yeah. nightmare of trying to piece that together so you know uh, thanks to the guy who did edit it but it wasn't me um, I, you know I quite like to have an editor I'd like to have someone to just edit them so I never have to do it again it was like genuinely mm. last week the holiday for me wasn't even just not being work the holiday for me was <laughs> Monday came and I was like, oh, I've got to, oh, I don't have to edit. I don't have to edit anything and nothing at all. It was, it was, it was. But I mean, you're lazy this. though, because you only have to edit one podcast a week. Doesn't Chris Hewitt has about like five he does, every yeah, day? He does. He's doing like spoiler specials. I know. Like on his way to work. I know. Yeah. I don't understand how. Chris quite enjoys the act of editing. Oh, does he? He actually okay. quite likes doing it. Whereas for me, it is my own personal hell. Like, I genuinely <laughs> hate it with the fire. Oh, and okay. Sun. So I will say, if you're a big fan of pilot TV podcasts and happen to be, I don't know, a podcast editor who doesn't mind being micromanaged within an inch of your life, then do drop me a line. You know, <laughs> Oh, God. Um, Oh, something I should mention is that there are still a few tickets left for... The Big Show! Not the wrestler, obviously. Uh, Pilot 200, which is on the 21st of this month. It's now just two weeks away. Oh, my God. Two weeks. Is that true? I'm getting a bit nervous, I've got to be honest. Oh, my God, it is two weeks. It's two weeks away. We We better do some planning, haven't we? We have. We have better work some stuff out. We're almost ready to announce some of the details of what's going on, so do keep an eye out for that, possibly later this week. Uh, I can say we're going to have an advanced screening of a show. Ooh, I can say whee! that. I can say mm. that. We're going to have a very special panel with some incredibly talented screenwriters on there, which would be very, very good. Uh, we have the star and creator of another very special show who's going to be on to talk about that and some people involved with one of the most anticipated returning shows 
will also be coming down as well. And if there's a way for me to be more vague, I don't know what it is. But I will tell you at some point in the very near future, uh, not to mention there will be other things. There'll be the rematch quiz that we're doing with the Empire Podcast team. There'll be a live mega banshee and so much more. It's very, very exciting. Uh, so do be sure to book your tickets as soon as possible. As ever, I will say the best value is to get day and evening tickets together because the discount is kind of applied at checkout. That's not clear, but it is. Uh, and while you can Google the URL, it might drop you onto the page for either Pilot TV Live Part 1 or Pilot TV Live Part 2 without an obvious way of booking the other one. So I will say, if you want a simpler <laughs> way of doing like it... You really got to earn these tickets. Yeah, you really do. You're only, it's, it's a bit like a, you know, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a, this is like a treasure hunt and then yeah. you go on to mm. a riddle and there's a sphinx and then eventually we agree to sell you tickets. Uh, or, or failing that, you can go to my Twitter at James C. Dyer and my pinned tweet gives you a link to the, the splash page for the whole two event which lets you buy tickets for the morning uh, well morning I say morning it starts at 12.30 that's technically the afternoon but the first part <laughs> and the evening as well can't say fairer than that look forward to seeing all of you there it's going to be very good exciting yeah. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it mum's getting a haircut this oh, weekend ready for is it yeah yeah she's getting all, all glammed up can't, can't speak for Steve but He's not got that much hair, so... Oh, fair enough. So it shouldn't take too long? No, yeah. not at all. He can come... Uh, he, if you, polish. If you like, so he can come and see the uh, same hair and makeup trailer as uh, Boyd. Yeah. Using, so that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he'd be very busy. He'd <laughs> yeah. be very busy. <laughs> he'd be, yeah, be very busy. A <laughs> little bit of wax and you're done. Um, right, okay. James, your head... I've just, it's just struck me. We have had this conversation that your, your baldness is that you've got a very, mm. I'm going to say, smooth... <laughs> totally hair-free scalp, yeah. whereas I yeah. have a bit. I have like a number one crop, effectively, of yeah. whatever hair I have left. Yeah. Do you? So how do, do you like deal oh, with your hair I, on a daily basis? Oh, oh, this is welcome to the personal care. Segment. Listen, yeah, can uh, we not save this for the live event? This, oh, this maybe pod should. gold. Hey, we get into the. Uh... No, no, you know, <laughs> just struck me just how smooth yeah. and hair-free. I do you have a very smooth head. It can be well, just so naturally. So like do you that. have a grade one? Is that what you? Yeah, do I have a trimmer. Oh, yeah. I have and a, how often do you trim? If that's not kind of every question? other day, pretty every much. other day. Yeah. Okay, so it's quite exhausting. So, 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 if you would like the history of my hair, my James Dyer, I, I used to have a clippers, and I remember I started in my twenties with a grade four, then I went grade three, then grade two, grade and grade one, then I went without the comb. That was a big step. But now, no, now I'm I'm wet shave. I'm wet shave. That's why it's so smooth. I lather up with a bit of shaving gel oh, okay. and I slide the razor over my head every morning. I think I'm too scared to do it. It'll be a bloodbath. Well, I will say, I will say, when one is running ever so slightly late for work, it can be quite fraught because you can end up kind of savaging yourself yeah. with blood everywhere and <laughs> cutting your head to ribbons. Uh, so you do have to, you know, there's a skill to it. But I can do my whole head in, I would say, a minute 30, roughly. Wow. Like wow. I do it really quick. That now. is efficient. And, Jesus and, Christ. Yeah. And I can actually do it now. I don't even use the mirror sometimes. Sometimes I just go in the shower and do it in the shower. I can do it all by touch because wow. I'm so used to doing it now. I literally, I can do a touch. This would make a great montage yeah. on Better Call James. <laughs> do you think we should do this? Yeah. A James shaving his head montage. <laughs> yeah. What music would you have? Company. Oh, um, Ooh, that's a good like, question. Yeah. Uh, probably Foo uh, Fighters, The Pretender. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but no. I was going to throw that out there. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with lots of like quick cuts. Like, Quick cuts, a yeah, okay. bit black and white, bit of yeah. grain in there. Yeah, you know, shot of the foam, yeah. shot of the water, a shot, shot of, of the, the head <laughs> of, of the shower head. Oh yes, like almost like in tribute to Psycho, and you think this is going to be a hor- horror scene, but it's actually a celebration of James's head. Yeah. James just smiling, routine. suds everywhere, like yeah. just like having a little dance. Yeah, yeah, that could, that could work. <laughs> yeah, that could work. Yeah, let's do it. Well, that's okay. good. Okay, but thank you, thank you.
thank you for observing the, the shininess no, of my no, hair. Something, I'm fascinated, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. It's good, it's good. For more electric banter <laughs> like this, do book tickets to the 200th you will episode. Be, you will be entering this in next year's Podcast Awards, <laughs> right? Congratulations. 100%. I don't think we've said it on there. Yeah, yeah no. congratulations to Empire. Yeah. And yeah. you you are core, obviously core of the core gang that yeah. won the, the Podcast Award. Obviously, Chris Hewitt, I was listening to Chris Hewitt, <laughs> and he almost celebrated the fact that we weren't nominated. Or, you know, he was like that. He literally was like, oh, they have great taste, you know. We but that's because you didn't even enter us, did you? Let's I face mean, it. That's accurate. I, mean, I, don't, I don't mind. I fully, it's very time consuming to enter, to it enter is, these it things. Is yeah. very so I don't blame you at all. I mean, fair enough. I will enter next year. Oh, good. But I, I thought it was a bit much for Chris to have a go. I mean, just celebrate I mean, your triumph. It's on you know. brand. Yeah, it is on brand. You're right. You're right. But no, but that, what, what a magical. Um, yeah. For those of you listening who don't know, we won the Best Live Podcast Award at the British Podcast Awards a couple of weeks ago. It was very, very The exciting. Oscars of the podcast. The Oscars of the podcast. Yes, podcast. Absolutely true. Idris Bigdris was there because his podcast was nominated. He didn't win and we did. <laughs> uh, not that I'm ever going to celebrate that, but we were up against some real heavyweights in our category. The Guilty Feminist was in our category. Right. And I can't emphasize that. We beat the Guilty Feminist yeah. for Best Live Podcast. And that is fucking wild because they are yeah. amazing. That is good. Uh, so, but, so, so much so did we not think we were going to win. A, we were sat at the very back of the tent and we were kind of talking when they were doing it. We weren't even really paying of attention. Of course you were. Of course you and were. part of us were like, oh, you know, oh, we've kind of got to leave. And it's mm. like, oh, we can do it. Oh. And uh, Andy Gaffney, who I've been on, his, you've been on his Be Grand podcast recently, haven't you? Yes, yes right. Yes. I've been on that as well. He's got another podcast that he's done, Promenade, and that was up for Best New Podcast. And he texted me and he said, oh, look, could, would you accept, I can't be there, a friend was getting married or something. And he said, uh, could you, if I win, could you go up and get it for oh me? My God. And so I was really only hanging around in case he won right because i was like well guys like we could go but i've got if andy wins i'm gonna have to go pick up his award and like i was like shit and then when we won i was like oh shit like i came this close to going because there was a tent out the back with free ice cream and i was like it's free ice cream <laughs> wow. or sit here and be bored and i was like fuck wow. me but, but we won and it yeah. was it was Fantastic. it was wild my so. brother was there as well my brother my brother's was podcast he? yeah he's got a podcast called monatomy i'll give it a plug and he got silver in his category in oh, that and that was idris elba presented that category yes yeah, yes. yeah so that was yes. particularly exciting that is exciting um, so like if literally like all colleagues friends brother was there you I know i didn't know but, you had a brother oh gotcha yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Hoyd Bilton. Hoyd. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But just a reminder, I mean, absolute triumph that you won. We have won an award already. Yes, yes. The published podcast awards we won in 2020. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that one with glitter very in it. sweet um, yeah. photo one, of you two. Exactly. The, the one with glitter in it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but also important to know is that we won this award for Empire 500, and Pilot 200 is basically completely ripping that off. So obviously yeah. Pilot 200 yeah. will be an award-worthy event, and I think we should all celebrate <laughs> that. Uh, but let's celebrate what we've been watching yes. on the screen. So what has the last week involved, people? What have we watched? I mean, let's just kick off a bad call style, shall we? Yeah. Um, well, steady, let's. Steady. Yeah, where are you? Okay. Mi- mini spoiler special. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They can rant. Now, obviously, like, like, like fascist spoiler rules still apply because <laughs> yeah. I am now, as we speak, I have burned through season five. I am now on oh season six, episode five. God. Oh my God. So I am only like, what, six episodes now yeah. behind where we are. Oh, so I am closing in on this. Now, how many episodes are in this final season? Is it. Um, it's 13. It's 13. Yeah, there's two it's more 13. to go. So I've including, got, I've got two weeks to catch up. Yeah, there's I'm, two more. I'm there. When this goes out on Monday, the last one, the penultimate, will drop oh. um, next day in the UK, <sighs> Tuesday morning, and the finale is the following week. Yeah. There so is a problem, though. There is a problem. So I have, with a vengeance, pursued this show. I have <laughs> just charged through it. And then Sandman came along. 
Oh. And Sandman yeah. is like 10 episodes long. And we're going to get onto this a little bit later, but Jesus Sandman sweat. has derailed it. But there was a bigger problem. <laughs> there was a bigger problem than Sandman. And this, this, this came up. So, so we are reviewing a show on Apple later on called Five Days at Memorial. And I went onto the Apple press app to look at my, my previews. Mm. And I was scrolling through Five Days at Memorial. Where is it? Where is it? And I, and I went back and I saw, oh, the icon has changed for C. Oh, oh God. No. Of course and you recognise the change the in the icons. icon. Jesus wept. And all eight <laughs> episodes from the final season of C oh, are on the preview no. app and I lost my shit. So I haven't started them yet because I only have to watch stuff for this show, but I'm now at this massive crossroads. So I've got, I've only watched half of Sandman, so I've got five Sandman episodes to go. I've got like six episodes of Better Call Saul, and I mean, the risk of spoilers is real. But see, the glorious sea is there oh, in all man. its just majesty, and I just don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed by the choice. I would say crack on with Better Call Saul because I had something spoiled for me by a friend as well, which really hurt. But a I friend, went, a friend, a former mm. friend. Mm. Um, who I I don't have muted for the purposes that I thought he was better than this. And then on Tuesday morning, logged onto Twitter, and the first thing he shared was something relevant to the plot of oh, Back really Soul. And I was fucking fuming, that's, absolutely that's, furious. That's not good. I'm I'm stunned that you've not had it spoiled for you because it nothing. I've had nothing spoiled. Right. I'm doing so well. Yeah, keep yeah, it up. You need well. to keep it up. You need to, you just need to get through it now. Just get it through. Just plough through. Just, just strap in and yeah, go You down. can't be diverted by no, C. No, I definitely can't be no. diverted by Sandman, which we'll get to that later. But <laughs> you, 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 you shut your mouth right now. Oh, but, 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 how dare you. Uh, but, like, but genuinely, like, the thought of me, like, to have all the episodes of C available I mean, and to yeah. not watch them mm. is almost more than I can bear. So, cool. just why don't you just look? Today is Thursday. You can easily plough through the Better Call Souls between now and Saturday. And then, You've got the weekend. <laughs> you got, I'm just right, doing I mean, your schedule. It's, the weekend devoted to see. You've got a jo- just delay gratification by two days. You're absolutely right, but it's not as if I have one of those job things or anything. That oh, come on. Like, don't, pretend, <laughs> don't pretend you're, where your priorities are. Oh, so I don't know. I'm, you I'm, can definitely deal with Brett Scorsese by the weekend and just put your mind to it and yeah. then see. Then you can get the whole thing to see. And, and Sandman, just fuck that. Let, let, leave that till... <laughs> you just honestly... Shush. Oh, we are for a fruity, fruity recording. Um, so, what was what was the last thing that happened with it? With that, you can. I mean, we can't spoil this for listeners, really. Either, we can't what, spoil it for listeners. What episode were you up to? I will say? say I watched the episode in which someone has a piece of glass in their hand, uh, and that was yeah, yeah, that was a lot to deal with. Yeah. And then I also watched the episode after that, which involves some spectacular spray tan. And I will say that as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> which is magnificent. Right. Wow. Uh, and that is where I am at the moment. So I'm, I'm going into six, I believe, is the next one. Wicked. Yeah, so you've got two more. You're, you're, you're in two more if, if the, before the mid-season finale. So mm. seven is the mid-season yeah. finale. Oh, those two episodes are historic, yeah. So you've got I know the two. Cinnabon one is coming. I know that's coming, but I don't think knowing that it's coming is a spoiler because I don't know what's no. happening in it. No. no. Other no. than Jerry from Parks and Rec is in it, which one, is two, nothing to me. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. So you've got six yeah, episodes six. To, to, to watch before... Tuesday, absolutely fine. That's fine. Yeah, I'm three, not wet. do th- right, this is your schedule. <laughs> Thursday, you watch three Thursday. tonight, three tomorrow, Friday. See you the weekend. Back on. If you want, you can put some Sandman in on Monday. 
<laughs> and then Tuesday are ready for live watching of the penultimate episode. And it, 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 the reason that works is because some American critics got to see the third from end episode, oh, pre penultimate episode. Yeah. Um, and they for their for their recaps and their reviews the next day. I didn't. I got to watch all the episodes in this series on a Friday before they yeah. come out so that I could write my review for Empire. But now no one in the world is getting to see the final two episodes at all before they go out. I'm, so um, I'm, and so, or you can join us. Do you know what I mean? In, yeah. in the is whole world. Large, is it going to be like a screening screening? Are they going to put on like a press screening? Uh, they haven't, fine? not that I know of. Because they did for Breaking Bad. They did, they did. Mm. Yeah, you're right. They did. I'm, gonna have to, I'm just going to have to get up at like 7 but you just and watch have to get it on up Tuesday. At, I think it's 8am it arrives, by the way. And again, yeah. this, I don't want to be watching this at 8am in the morning, but if people are going to be dickheads, to, yeah. then I'm going to have to, yeah. aren't yeah. I? You're going to have to. Yeah. But we should talk a little around the house without any spoilers. I'll a couple of things I was going to mention you, you were going to say. Yeah, I'll describe episode. my feelings. Yeah. I'll describe my feelings when watching <laughs> the this episode. Let me think about it. <laughs> Discombobulated. Mm, yeah, sure. I'll say it. Okay. Mildly disappointed. Oh, no, really, really. In comparison to the wow. absolute highest of high standards that this okay. season has maintained. Oh, okay. That's it is the best season, right? Like, it is the best season. It is the best season. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. has it's thus get, far... It's getting better and better and better. It's better getting better. Be- yeah. I mean, you can concur at this stage it's by far the most devastating oh, season. Sh- the, the, oh, yes. Yeah. Mm. What I would say is, I know you, I'm not, I'm not 100% surprised. I, um, I've seen some other people online say they, they were disappointed by it. Um, I was mildly, mildly. Mildly disappointed at because elements Yeah, because you're like, you're comparing... Some of the greatest episodes of TV that we've ever seen yeah. to, you know, that work. But what I would say is, I do think these final episodes, these final three episodes, including that one, in fact, no, the final four episodes, I feel like a kind of coda to the main action without yeah. spoiling anything. Yeah. Um, and that it's almost like you, you're giving the characters and story kind of real time to breathe and, yeah. you're, and they're kind of playing with time. And, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, but I found that I found it fascinating what they do with that, this. This third from the end episode, um, mm. and I mean it's called Breaking Bad. Mm. That's that's not a spoiler. It just is. Called I Breaking know Bad. that you is know, the case, yeah, but so I we don't know, want to know no, anything okay, about it. Fine, but so a couple of things I was, I was going to mention. One, there's another montage. There's another extraordinary montage, black and white mm. montage, um, on top of the extraordinary montage in the previous episode. And I have started listening to the official Better Call Saul um, podcast. Yeah, in, inside his podcast, that Chris, has yeah, met, Chris Hughes yeah. mentioned, yeah, and it is fascinating. And they talk about the challenge of doing these montages because I mentioned last week how um, uh, someone online had said, um, you know, that get find someone you love as much as basically also loves a montage, montage yeah. and it is so true. They do yeah. love it, but they do them beautifully. Mm. Like the one, this one this week is like a work of art again. I felt the music choice and everything. Yeah, yeah. All of the, you know, when they're going through the the. That yeah. the con, that's what yeah. I say. Um, and I also thought as a character study, it really showed you the core of the character. Yeah. That's what I think. Oh. And yeah. there was that earlier scene where it addresses stuff that's been going on mm. that you're all obviously wondering about. And we're all wondering in the end what what we're gonna what's what's gonna happen with the major characters in the final two episodes, do we, mm. who do we see, who we don't we see. And I thought that teeing that up in the way it did, yeah. cutting the... This is what I say. There's a scene 
James in this episode and um, with Saul slash Jimmy and he goes to a he uses a public phone booth and mm. makes a phone call and then it cuts the dialogue you don't see hear what he's saying mm. you just see what is happening to him and that was such a, a such a kind of like clever slash unbelievably provocative yeah. bit of yeah. stuff yeah. it uses that device a few times it does so it's that bit it when, does. when Kim yeah. Goes in and, right. and has that meeting, as it were. And she goes in. You just see her through the door. Yeah, you just hear the, the yeah. mumblings through the. They're door. brilliant at withholding. And but what I thought about that moment was so made it so interesting. Was they're doing that? I felt like that. I thought, oh, okay, they're really teeing up some major stuff that's mm. going to happen in the final two episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't. So while these episodes we're living through now feel like that coder, as I said, to the main, I think the final two are going to be much more. Not not like that too. I think the final two. Uh, this is my just. Kind yeah. of, I have no idea, but really going to give us some major satisfying closure of some kind. It's going to have to, isn't it? I think what I need to add to it is that I liked, didn't love Breaking Bad. So oh. the way that it is a, the way that this episode called Breaking Bad is. <laughs> la 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 la. Uh, yeah. Not listening. Not listening. Is relevant. To <laughs> that. Is doing what yeah. it's doing. Right. Right. Is. Not uh, well, satisfying me as oh, much okay. as have somebody. We established that you didn't. Like, you weren't that keen on Breaking Bad. Is that, is probably have. We've, we've. I've probably yeah. said it like twelve probably. times on this podcast, but no one's. No one's yeah. listened and registered. I prefer. I lights, Beth. I've heard that's show you might enjoy. So. <laughs> I prefer Better Call Saul. I have to say, I hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's not even a question for me. I, oh, you know, in halfway it. through the whole thing, I was like, is this maybe possibly ending up going to be better than better, mm. Breaking Bad? But now I'm like, it's hundred percent better. I see. I'm not there yet. Like, I think it's great. I really think it's great. But I, I think Breaking Bad has a. It has a cleaner story arc and a more sort of compelling central tenet, which I love. That said, once I get to the end of this, maybe I change my mind. But at the moment, like they're both fantastic, but Breaking Bad still pips it for me. But uh, I just find I find so Jimmy uh, uh, the um, far more compelling character. He's good. He's very good. He's a very good character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've watched. Okay. Good. 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 (laughs) Same. Um, I kind of took over what you were watching. Apologies. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm carrying on with Westworld. See, I'm and, two episodes behind on Westworld uh, because okay. of Better Call Saul, and right. I'm desperate not to have that spoil because oh, I was sorry. enjoying it okay. enormously when I yeah. started. I'm still enjoying it enormously. It's so much better than the last season. Yeah. It's got to, it's, it's so much better, and um, dealing with the big questions about um, AI and what what is the, like uh, what, you know what is the difference really between a a, a an organic human being mm. and an in, a created host as they're known in this show. And this whole show now is all about the hosts taking have taken over the world, basically, or at least New York. Um, and there are outliers who are, and they've managed to kind of turn humans into hosts, into kind of like a cross between. They've managed to basically turn humans into things they can control, beings they can control. And there are outliers who they somehow who are somehow avoiding that control. So it's just kind of. It's just, it's kind of reinvented the whole idea of the show in a really interesting way and is addressing, for me, the fundamental flaws of Westworld when it annoys me are where we're supposed to have as much empathy for hosts, basically, as we are human beings. Mm. But I think what this series is quite effectively doing is, is, is making you, the viewer, complicit in, in the, moral, in the moral problem of that, if you like. It's going, well, hold on, what is the difference between mm. these, you know, if, 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 a, if an AI being, a replicant, whatever you want to call it, all of the, all of those things that aren't that aren't fully organically human still have pretty much ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the thoughts and in quotes feelings as a human being. Then what is the difference? And that it's really it's really 
getting into that mm. lotty thing, which I think the last series, and I almost think now I can't, I literally can't remember anything that happened in the last series. It was incredibly dense. Because <laughs> it was so dense, and yeah. but just not, not it was dense, but at the same time not really making much ma- many interesting points about its whole premise. Whereas at least this, this is all. It's still confusing. Mm. It's still like it jumps around in time. It does that thing where oh yeah, this whole thing all along happened to be taking place ninety five years ago, and we're only just going to tell you about it now. It really relies on that trick a lot. Which it played that trick in season one, of course. That was the big twist, and it's really relying on that befuddling you by kind of every every now and then reminding you that these timelines are not the same. It's just jumping between completely different times. But, it, so it's confusing still. There are moments where I'm still, I still don't understand. You really have to pay attention. You really, like, I keep having to rewind it, you know, on my mm. Sky Cube to get to the bits where, what did, why is he doing that? Why is she, she doing that? Um, but it's, but even when you're confused, it's still, it's beautiful. Mm. The design, the production design, the the fact that it's all set in this weird, in this future version of New York. And I, I was on holiday in New York last week. It's, there's one bit of it filmed. There's a lot of it filmed in the Hudson Yards, which is this whole bit of on, in Manhattan, where which which is kind of um, where they've got that massive giant sculpture. Mm. Um, I took a picture on my Instagram. If you want, if you want to see what I'm talking about, <laughs> and they literally use that in Westworld as like, and when you, and and yet they kind of enhance it with CGI extra buildings. You know, they'll kind of show it even more densely packed than it is than New York is now. Um, but it just looks fantastic. The characters that are getting more screen time are the my more favoured characters that are getting screen time, and so yeah, that, it's definitely completely revived my 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 interest in the show mm. and my and my uh, fondness for the show. And that's about it, I think. There's a show we'll get to later. The yeah, shows that we that, that well, in the... Boyd and I went to a very special screening of a we show did. last night, which I 100 <laughs> percent can't <laughs> talk about <laughs> because I have never seen an NDA quite like this one, where it was not just <laughs> yeah. an entire side of A4; it was in really tiny font size, in two columns across the whole thing. And it basically said, if you so much as you know hint in, in you know riddle form that you might have possibly been in the same postcode as this screening. On that night, we will send things after you. Yeah, so, can't even talk yeah. about the trailers. Can't even talk about the trailers, no. lest they kill us. So, <laughs> but suffice to say, it's one of the most anticipated shows of this year, and we saw it, and we have opinions on it. But I'm not even going to share those opinions about a thing that we can't say that we saw. So, no, sure I saw two things. I saw another thing before you that. Did that's but right. I also can't talk about another show. Um, oh, this must be fascinating. This the is so thrilling. <laughs> yeah, it's not as much of an NDA. Did I sign an NDA? No, I can't remember because the can't NDA was so extraordinary for mm. for that for that thing that we're, that yeah. we were at. But the, the previous thing. <laughs> <laughs> which is really good. Um, I can't even remember whether I did sign NDA. Is it, then, are we going to do a new series, new section now of yeah. stuff we stuff, we have watched yeah. but can't talk we about? Can't talk about yeah. And it's just you two. And we can't even say what's <laughs> about. Uh, one thing a listener did tweet you this morning, boy, and say, please, could you mention to James oh, yeah. that 17.4 million yes, people yes. watch the football? <laughs> I'm glad you saw that. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, the highest rated, I mean, that's in TV news. Yeah, the highest rated broadcast of the year was the Women's Euro Final. Yeah. Bit, bit, uh, rightly where, so. Yeah, rightly so. Um, 17 million people watched the uh, watched it. Yeah. I, I was not among them, as you were No, funnily here, enough. But I don't watch the men's football either. It's not a gender thing. I just find football tedious. Yeah. But I will say that I thought their press conference was one of the best things that's ever been on television. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, I absolutely love the fact that that is just a whole zero fucks given approach yeah. to speaking to the media. And it's just, I love them and they should do all interviews on every subject from yeah. now on. They are, and I'm... I'm about to say something. I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid, avoid saying this in a crass kind of. But they, there's something about the way their post-match interviews 
uh, the, the England women's team and that press conference. Right, sorry, I've hit the mic. Sorry, sorry <laughs> editing nightmare. Yeah. Um, the way they deal with post-match interviews, the women's team, and the way that pre- that press conference, they're so much more human mm. and less kind of. They, they're just better. In, this is a generalization, a crash generalization than the men, but they yeah. just are. Because they're really having fun. They're, it's joyous. Like, I mean, there's something sort of yeah. Just primal about it. It's yeah. wonderful. I imagine it's different media training as well. I, I think imagine that's it. those, yeah, I those think men's that. teams have been yeah. kind of meticulously. Right. It's, beca- it's because men's football has is it's the biggest thing in the world. It's the biggest money making entity in the world. Football and played played by those men. And when they're getting, you know, when what some of them are getting, you know, five hundred thousand pounds a week to do what they do, and whole football clubs are like Barcelona at the moment is almost like clinging on financially because it's desperation to buy a huge star player it's just such a weird world Mm. that once you're a professional involved in it you're immediately act like expected to behave in a certain way and everyone's paying attention to every single last thing you do James is going to cut all this out. I can tell because the way he's looking at me, he's like, "Why are you banging on about this?" But the women are just not in that. It's not like it's not like that. So yeah, they're not affected by that bullshit. Basically, and funny enough, the other thing I did go to this week, I also went to the premiere of Arsenal All or Nothing. Do you know Amazon Prime Video? I was like, right. So I'm going to go into a podcast recording this morning, but that's come out and Sandman's come out. So I should probably pack a book. Yeah, I wasn't, I'm not going to mention it just to say that um, obviously it's Prime all Video, Boyd or Nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that would have been my intro. Well, yeah. we reviewing. It, but we're yeah, not, can you imagine so. if I'd have yeah tried to get you to watch that? Oh my god! But it was a, there was a delightful launch event at the Islington um, Town Hall, whatever it's called, and um, I it was very very exciting. And I've watched it three times. <laughs> oh, good god! Yeah. So yeah, that's that's out now. All Arsenal fans will be lapping out. But that is an insight into the whole that whole. It, is, it does have very interesting insights into what young football players are like that's all I'll say I'll leave it there fascinating okay. um, <laughs> I'm going to say we are half an hour into the podcast oh, God, we haven't actually started the podcast I'm going to suggest we skip the listener question this week although we do have one so apologies to the person yeah. who sent yeah. that in we will get to it next week but mainly because we're going to get thrown out of the studio today our studio situation <laughs> has altered we are now doing these uh, in the radio <sighs> studios at One Golden Square and let's just say everyone's a bit territorial about who gets what room and the bookings are all a bit fascist so very warrior uh, yeah. we have we have a sort of you know it's a bit hunger gamesy you have to kind of fight for your time in the studio so uh yes we have some new tributes arriving in about half an hour so let's press on <laughs> let's press on i think it's time now for this week's guests uh rest assured there will be much banging on about the sandman later on this show principally by me by all accounts uh but let's first hear about it from the stars themselves tom sturridge stars in this show as dream of the endless morpheus the sandman lord of the dreaming and king of nightmares and and vivienne achimpong plays his trusty majordomo lucien uh the show sees dream torn from his throne and summoned to earth where he's imprisoned by charles dance as you would be uh for a hundred years and when he finally escapes he must recover his tools of state and fix everything that has gone to ruin in his absence. A bit like me returning from holiday, obviously. So uh, here are Tom and Vivienne talking to longtime Sandman fan, Helen the Corinthian O'Hara. First of all, I'm a huge long-term Sandman fan. I could not be more excited about the show. I've loved it. I've watched the whole season already. Oh, wow. But you guys uh, just, you know, presented it in in uh, at San Diego Comic Con. Uh, right. How did that go down? What was the reception like from the fans there? I mean, it was kind of extraordinary. I, I I've never been to Comic Con before. I don't think you have. No. Um, uh, um, and I specifically, I'd never seen the trailer. It was the first time we'd seen the trailer, and so 
to kind of lean back into the 6,000 people there and watch it with them. And, and I, like you, like I'm a spectacularly big Sandman fan. Um, it was so moving to be, yeah. to be, to, to have created it or be a part of its creation, but also to be able to lean in and be a fan with all the fans and watch it for the first time. I think that moment, um, especially presenting something like this in Hall H can really bring home to people, you know, oh my God, we have this enormous fandom out there. How terrifying is that? I mean, from interviews I've read with you, certainly Tom, you were very much aware of that already, that this had a very passionate fan base. But, you know, is that something that both of you kind of confronted that day? Uh, I mean, it it felt really special Mm. Um, because you know this has been thirty years in the making. It's mm. it's it, it and it for me it just felt really special. And the people that were there wanted to be there. They wanted to celebrate Sandman, share this experience. So I think that's extraordinary, and it's just a beautiful thing because we were all together. You've got Neil Gaiman there. You've got Alan Heinberg. You've got the cast. You've got fans. It just all came together so wonderfully. It was a, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And after 30 years in development, does this feel like the right time for Sandman? I think it does. Um, I think that the idea of making a film out of Sandman is kind of moronic. I think to, 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 to distill... <laughs> well, it, it, it is. Because, it is. To distill 3,000 pages into two hours is just... It's actually the antithesis of what Sandman is. Sandman... It, you know, there's, there's this kind of uh, notion um, that Morpheus is a protagonist, which he is to an extent, but he's also a guide. He's a guide into the, the multitude of stories inside of it. Sandman is a story about stories. And so to try and pull one story out of it is just stupid. <laughs> um, and like, and I understand why it would have infuriated Neil, which it did. Um, and so it's, this is the right time because, you know, the beauty of long form television and the way that it's being um, championed at the moment is that you can take the time for dream to guide you through all of the litany of stories that make up this cohesive beer moth that is Sandman. And also from a technological point of view, to realize hell and um, to realize the dreaming is difficult. And 30 years ago, you probably couldn't do it. It was difficult to find a gargoyle to fly <laughs> over your head. Um, whereas now they're everywhere. <laughs> you can't get away from gargoyles. Yeah, I know it's such, such a problem. It's a <laughs> but I mean, it, that is a, a wonderful part of the comics is that you have this relatively speaking narrative first couple of stories where Dream is more like the protagonist. But even, yeah, yeah. even in these 10 episodes, we're already kind of shooting off in different directions. We're yeah. already seeing different stories come in. And it just feels like we're ready for this world to open up around us. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I've watched all 10 episodes and I'm saying this, and not because I'm in it, but they blew my mind. They blew my mind because, as you said, you know, Yes, it is about Morpheus and his story, but there are so many other stories that come out of it. And as someone watching it, it has made me question things, has made me think about things to do with myself. And it's this work is extraordinary. And I'm just excited that we have been able to create it with the creator, Neil Gaiman, and bring it to people. It's it. it well, I wanted to ask about Neil, you know, because he has been very hands on with this show. Yeah. And, you know, I'm guessing 
Tom, I'm guessing the answer to this is definitely yes, but Vivian, I don't know. Um, you know, did you sit down before shooting started? Did you get a chance to talk to him about your character before you started? And, you know, what what was his advice to you? I mean, he's COVID times, wasn't it? So that was it was difficult for that aspect, but there was a lot of collaboration. And Joe, I'd say Neil was more than hands-on. Yeah, yeah. He's literally created this. He's- He, every, he wrote the first episode, yeah. pilot. He he was there, he watched every frame every day. He, he would like give notes, encouragement. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I did sit down with him a bunch of times before. Um, and uh, I mean, the, the, the you know, the, the most important piece of advice he gave all of us, I think was that you know he that he cast us for a reason and that that to trust that the, what he'd seen in us was what we should give if that makes sense mm-hmm. as in we were we, we you know it, it was so clear what the bible was and that was Sandman and the, the graphic novels but if yeah to just just to trust ourselves mm. And I wanted to ask about your relationship because I feel like um, Lucienne has been brilliantly buoyed up from the comics. I feel like everything is there on the page, but it's been really, really drawn out um, for the screen. And and your relationship between the two of you has really become a, a fantastic double act. Is that something you got a chance to rehearse before you started? Or <laughs> you're winking at each other as you go? Right. Or something? <laughs> it's just the joy. Um, no, we didn't really because kind of TV's not like that. We The first day we met we had a little bit of rehearsal didn't we was it like 10 minutes or something like that but what is amazing is that what has been created like Thomas said what has been created is we've got this amazing world we've got Neil Gaiman we've got the comics we've got this amazing script that you know Alan has adapted we've got amazing actors like amazing what Tom has done with Morpheus and the detail and how he's embodied it is incredible. So I just feel because everything's there, you just, you just trust it and you trust yourself and you just try to live in the truth and listen to each other and react to each other. And for me as an actor, that's the joy that I got with Tom because he, he, he is Morpheus when, you know, when we were filming. So, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 that. no, no. But what I was going to say is also, there's, there's something about the scrutiny that a camera gives on a face that you can't, that, that is different to the scrutiny that an eye gives to a, a comic square mm. and so uh, weirdly I, I don't think that mu- there's much dialogue between us that has changed but the way we look at each other like you can see how we think about each other which you just can't in a comic and actually it, I potentially it is the same as in as in the books but it's just the that's one of the beauties of bringing something to life is that you can you begin to see how these characters think not only what they say yeah absolutely and and it becomes it does genuinely feel like uh, like Lucien is is his conscience to some degree and, and certainly his his most trusted sounding board at this point in the story absolutely it's it, it, it's it's the being that he spent the most time with i mean that that's we, we i often forget myself that there is no one i mean his siblings are a disaster obviously <laughs> right? but there, there, there's there's no one that he has spent more time with in, in the millennia of his existence than lucien so um lucien oh, i was about to say lucien 
Vivian. I mean, it's <laughs> you... very close, isn't it? It's very. <laughs> close. But did you? So did you do any, you know, research on librarians? My sister is one, so I feel like I'm obliged to ask. Oh, you're a good sister. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm of an age where I can remember going to the library when I was little. This is such a good question because you just reminded me. When I was little, I used to pretend that I was a librarian. I actually <laughs> genuinely did. You know, oh when you went to the library and you had the little cards. Yeah. You had the little cards that you present. And th- oh my God, this is memories. And then I'd get loads of books that I had because when I was young, I was obsessed with books. I didn't necessarily read them, but I just had, I'd love, I love collecting, but I still do love collecting books. And then I'd just like write in them and be like, return in two weeks and put the date and stuff. On your but own. That's just a memory that I've just remembered. <laughs> yeah, on my own. Okay. <laughs> Wow. Well, this is obviously what Neil saw, right? Yeah. This is not got me the job. Yeah. That's amazing. And did did you have any um, non-comic book sources that you kind of drew from for for your performance or for your relationship? I mean, mean, yes, absolutely. I I, I kind of, I, 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 I think when... That there is a sort of tiny magic trick that takes place when you construct a character and you just steal from a thousand different things. But I think when actors start talking about the things they steal from, then like all magic tricks, you just realize that it's a terrible joke. <laughs> um, uh, so I might like save you from, from the music I was listening to. Um, but 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 the thing, the interesting thing about our relationship as well, I think, Lucien and um, Morpheus is, is that I do think that organically through the way that it, that it that it that we found each other me and you um like during the course of the filming i do think that alan kind of the showrunner and like lead writer sort of like w- was surprised potentially by the way that it was going yeah. and and yeah. and didn't change anything but kind of leaned into it in a mm. different way mm. um i think but what i'm saying is i th- what was exciting is, is we found things or in the moment on yeah, set, organically, uh, or just as much as we um, did in, from the script and from the books. Yeah. And did you have much of a set? Because you, you two in particular, your conferences tended to be in the really weird, gorgeous, we re- you know, we, environments. We really, we really did. Yeah. That was that's what's extraordinary about this production is that they were so anxious to remember the idea that when you dream, you you don't know you're dreaming. You believe it's real, and so it couldn't be a kind of video game which these things can often turn into cgi fests they built everything mm. you could touch everything we shot our my throne room was shot in a cathedral mm. it was a real place that um the library the staircase up place. to the throne yeah. was built like yeah. it was it the library was real the black sand that i had to run through that yeah it's all real. all of it was palpable and tangible and, 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 and in these kind of you know fantasy projects it's often such a leap of imagination you're looking up at a castle burning there's a gargoyle flying over da, 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 da. and the thing that was great about this is, is that the production design team really made that leap tiny because they gave it to us yeah. and it made it made it so much easier to tell the truth and do you have to do anything differently when you're playing non-humans absolutely <laughs> well but all that i mean oh, I, what, what do you think of yourself i know I, I actually never think of what who lucien is as far as what kind of being i don't think she even puts a I don't know. It's a label on it. Yeah, it's like the label on it. Do you know what I mean? Um, no, not really. I mean, I loved my ears. Mm. The ears just took me to a different place. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I mean, I think I think when you're, when you're playing an endless, it's dangerous to kind of start to 
think about it too much in the moment because it can become overwhelming. But one thing that Neil said to me that was really important to me was that Dream has had every thought that could ever possibly have been had. Um, And so when he speaks, he doesn't, he's never finding anything as I am right now in the (laughs) sentence. Like he knows exactly what he's going to say and he says it as if it's etched in stone because it is etched in the stone of his soul. Um, And that was a very great key into how to play someone who had experienced uh, eons of existence. Mm. Um, And just just finally, because I think, you know, Vivian, most of your scenes were with Tom, but Tom, you got to act with almost everybody, it feels like, on this uh, at some point. Did you have any kind of fanboy moments of people you've particularly been wanting to, to work with or meet for a while? Absolutely. I mean, working with David Thewlis, Stephen Fry, Gwendolyn Christie, um, they were, you know, it was... Uh, thrilling, but 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 also what, what what was the most exciting thing is sometimes um, in you know f- uh, projects like this, there's kind of sort of stunt casting just to kind of like give it a bit of oomph. And as someone who cares about these books so much, what was most beautiful was seeing these extraordinary actors so perfectly embody and realize the characters that I'd had in my head. Like when you see David Thewlis as John Dee for the first time in his pajamas on set, it was utterly like, I I can't describe how magnetic, terrifying and sort of beautiful and strange and peculiar his performances. Um, And then Gwendolyn, uh, this kind of utterly seductive, beguiling, but immense presence as, you know, when I walked on set and she was Lucifer, there was no imagination required as how one would feel when confronting the ruler of hell. Um, And Stephen, I mean, Fiddler's Green, AKA Gilbert, like, I mean, Genuinely, like it, it, that. I mean, he's he's. I feel like he was. The comics were drawn for him. Yeah. I mean, there isn't a more perfect um, embodiment of of the greatest intellect and uh, fundamental kindness than Stephen Fry. <laughs> Amazing! Look, I, I love it. I can't wait for people to see it. Thanks so much for chatting to us, and uh, I hope to see you again in season two. Thank you so much. And working with Vivian. (laughs) Yes. The interview's over. It's too late, isn't it? (laughs) It's all right. We'll add it in. We'll add it in. (laughs) Right. Shall we dive into this week's news? Now, there's quite a few things happening today, but one thing I wanted to mention was a thing that kind of popped up actually this morning as we record, which was some news from Camp HBO. It's like, I don't know what's going on at HBO at the moment, but it's slightly chaotic. So, obviously, the big film news we won't talk about it's not a film podcast is that the Batgirl movie is no longer going to be a movie it's going to be a tax write-off which is a whole can of worms but there was a thing this morning where the rap is reporting that 70% of the HBO Max development team are expected to be laid off uh, and they're folding HBO Max into HBO so they're not we think, going to be doing HBO Max scripted shows anymore uh, and HBO are going to be taking over. So fewer scripted shows overall. Mm. I think that's pretty depressing, isn't it? Um, When you think about how some of our favourite shows and some like milestone shows of the last few years have come out off the back of that. And I've seen today that they have, you know, James Gunn has already come out and said the second season of Peacemaker is safe. Mm. I can't even, I don't have the strength to think about Barry. It started filming, but actually, you know... Batgirl was shot and that still went. So I'm just like clinging on that we can get the final season of that out. But it's it's really fucking worrying. It's really fucking worrying given the the absolute bullshit, cold sort of 
detached way in which Batgirl was cut, which does feel relevant because it it seems to be all wrapped into the same strategy. Mm. Um, that there are shows like Hacks at Risk, you know, shows that are bold and creative with diverse cast, diverse creatives behind it that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. They've won loads of awards, they've been renewed for season upon season and now, you know, without... 70% of development what are the chances of shows like that being made again you know maybe we'll be able to hang on to some of the ones we've already got but the thought that we wouldn't be able to get more is just ridiculous mm. um it's a it's a it's a weird time I think it's a shame you know HBO obviously puts out extraordinary stuff they're great for bolstering new talent as well um you know really getting kind of people off the ground and the fact that that is going to be potentially probably taken away is is really jarring i think because we haven't even spoken about what's going to happen with uh, and just like that so you know that is the biggest casualty <laughs> that, yeah that, that is the, the true victim you know carrie just, just like found love mm. again so i don't know yeah i'm i'm worried and i think it's 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 pretty appalling in terms of in terms of kind of a decision for what seems to be such a transparent profit grabbing sort of move um, yeah it's, it's it's pissed me off I think it's the <laughs> yay capitalism says Beth uh, yes yeah yeah it's well. pretty shit but is Barry just I think Barry is an HBO show is it HBO, HBO yeah. proper yeah, yeah. Oh, so I think sorry. you're fine yeah. Yeah. yeah I think you're fine I think it is it's difficult to know at this point what what this really means because well, yeah, we don't know because don't I do know. feel like HBO is still as you as you were saying is still the creator of the best shows on yeah. TV HBO not H- uh, you know, an HBO Max. Sorry, but the Expanse was on Prime Video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. and C is on Apple. And C is on Apple. So, yeah, 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 true. <laughs> um, but apart from those, the HBO is still you know, Mare of Easttown was HBO. Of HBO, course, of course. You know. And now, and obviously, like it's got to the point where, for, for us, for me in particular, I'm constant. Every week, there's another new shows. You're like, so that's an HBO Max show, but it's going to end up on BBC Two. You know yeah. why? It, the confusion is 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 high, but. I don't think this story. I don't think this news necessarily means there will. I think there'll be a, there'll be fewer shows, but I think there are a lot of HBO Max shows that aren't as key to you know to our world as HBO shows. Is what I'm. Is what I, and I still think there'll be uh, uh, loads and loads and loads of HBO shows. Yeah. You know that are really really good. So I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think it's as put it this way. I think the Batgirl story was just. Fucking ridiculous! Yeah, I, I, I feel I always felt I always thought it was weird that the HBO Max HBO relationship and the existence of a streaming version of HBO that's really similar to HBO that has the same shows as HBO plus other shows scripted shows on what the difference between commissioning one for HBO Max and the other for HBO it's it was always a bit weird of a weird situation mm-hmm. so the consolidation of it yeah to, to to whatever extent they're doing that kind of makes sense. I guess Whereas so. Whereas the Batgirl thing doesn't make sense on it. No, it doesn't at all. But what, what concerns me is the development. Yeah, sure. People going, who are responsible for yeah. seeking out younger talent, burgeoning talent that perhaps wouldn't get, you know, it's not David Simons, you know, they're not going to just sure. instantly land a show on HBO and get that kind of budget. It's it's for emerging talent. And in there yeah. lies some potentially really exciting projects, really exciting opportunities. Hacks being a great example of that. Obviously, Gene's smart as an established actor although yeah. this was this was a career best role for her um the fact that yeah the fact that 
potentially it's going to scupper more shows like that being made with an incredibly diverse queer mm. largely like development team I think is is what the worrying part is is potentially it's going to stunt the kind of yeah. stories that we see on screen yeah no that uh, yeah that is a worry for sure well HBO did do one good thing this week I think we can all agree they announced the uh, release date for season two of The White Lotus they did yes. October October yeah, two really good things. Uh, that and, of course, as I've just mentioned, my beloved Barry has started filming and it's just so funny to watch Henry Winkler, all the all the selfies of them all grinning and smiling and being so joyful and happy to be back in each other's midst, knowing full well that what they're shooting is horrible, like whatever they're filming at the moment, yeah. because the third season ended on such a tragic, like gut-wrenching note. So they'll be picking up from that, like the the stuff the characters are doing is not it's not joyful and happy, but all these like gleaming, like just Bill Hader just beside himself, just so happy to be there. And you know that he'll cut and then he'll go and probably like gouge someone's eyes out with his <laughs> bare hands or something. It's, it's very funny to watch, but I'm very, very excited about that. Um, yeah. The question about White Lotus is because they, they, they announced the HBO show in October. They haven't, but you, Sky has not announced when it's showing it. Mm. That's the big question. Mm. Because I'm pretty Skip sure plane. from memory, I think they showed it pretty soon after it aired in the States, season one. Um, I don't think they waited. Put it this way sometimes Sky waits so they can put the whole thing out as a box set. I don't mm. think they did that with yeah. series one. And I hope they don't do that with season two. <laughs> that news story about season two coming out in October, do, when you see the cast list, just a reminder of the cast list for The White Lotus. I yeah. mean, Coolidge, Jennifer Coolidge, F. Murray Abraham, Tom Hollander, Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, mm. Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey fucking Plaza, yeah. Theo, Theo James, Will Sharp, you know, the writer, director, wonderkind, whatever you call him. It's just a fucking incredible cast again. It always like, is. This is what I mean. It's what I said last week. We are just in such a golden mm. sort of renaissance of wonderfully cast ensemble shows yeah. like you were saying yeah. with the resort last week yeah. like just just incredible like we're spoiled I think for, for those yeah, very much enjoyed listening to your discussion of the resort and how the phone had charged whether the sim card was removed <laughs> or left in the phone it's that kind of granular detail that you just don't get on other podcasts if only, you, if only you'd been there and you could have dived in with your little worth. well yes. I, I noticed that you skirted over all the Comic Con announcements and left all that to me so oh, thank oh, you yeah. now, this could be your little Comic Con moment. Well, I think uh, we did record, as you pointed out, a special hour-long Comic Con, yes. hour and a half-long uh, Comic Con special. But yes, they laid out Marvel Phase Five. They laid out Marvel Phase Six. They're going to keep us busy on spoiler specials for a very long time to come. Um, all good. I'm pretty excited about everything. There wasn't an X Men announcement. This is more of a kind of a film thing. But I'm imagining that will be something about that D23, mm. which is. And did they announce there was going to be like 120 episode Daredevil series? Didn't yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be a long yeah. one as well. So yeah. that, your my mileage may vary on whether or not that, those kind of episode counts. It was like 20 per season or wasn't it? Like that's that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Uh, and obviously the 13 episodes felt long but I kind of think like if they chose to do it they didn't need to do this long. Mm. I think they've obviously done it for a reason so mm. I think that's fine. While we're on Disney Plus I will say so She-Hulk's moved back now. It's no longer been on Wednesdays it's now moved to Thursdays. Right, why is that? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming so there's not an overlap so they've moved oh, that over right. to Thursdays and now Andor has gone back a month and now that's the 21st of September. So I am doing an official Reverse dank ferric on uh, <laughs> on Andor because that trailer that dropped was really good. 
Like and I'm really going to put, I was there from the start. I, I was know. the OG. I know. Mm. I, I was know. OG. I lived, it, it, it's, it's cracking, isn't it? It looks really I good. love being right. It I looks love really being good. right. And that score. Yeah. And it just looks like a really interesting texture to it. And the period that it's set in, what it's exploring in terms of imperial politics looks really interesting. It feels, oh, has a real kind of like political that. thriller feel of it. And also, it's not on that fucking LED volume, which has become the bane of my existence since Obi-Wan and ruined that series for me. So just having it on actual locations, it looks like it costs a million times more than Obi-Wan, which I'm sure is not the case. Yeah. But I just think, you know, guys, location, location, location. <laughs> it is the key to all this stuff. Uh, he's not talking about Phil and Kirsty. No, I'm not, I don't know who these people are, but no, no, I'm not talking about them. But I also noticed last week a very glaring omission in your news section. That you did not report the biggest news story of last week. And I think it's very remiss of you. And of course, that is that we finally have a date for the long anticipated season two of Fate, the Wink Saga, which is coming to Netflix on September the 16th. Come on, Bloom wow. the Fire Fairy. Wow. I'm pretty stoked. Are you stoked? Um, I can't. I get confused as to which. Genuinely get confused as to which is which because Lock and Key, which we're not that's, reviewing yeah, this yeah, week, that's coming this week with the third and final season. Right. Um, and what's the what's the difference between the way, Fate the Wink Saga and Lock so and Key? So Lock and Key is the one where they have the magic keys in the magic house. Yes. And yes. Fate the Wink Saga is the one with the school for fairies. Yes. Got it. Yes. Right. And okay. you watched all of Fate the Wink yeah, Saga. Yeah, I did. Yeah, really I quite enjoyed, enjoyed it at the end. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but yeah, I see, what I need to find out is whether or not it's actually good or whether it was a kind of a lockdown delirium mm. because it was one of these things where it was in the midst of lockdown we'd all gone a bit do lally and I got really into this YA show about fairies and you know you might argue that's not a million miles away from the kind of stuff that I like so maybe I'm genuinely going to like it but I'm looking forward to that and Carnival Row we've still not heard when Carnival Row's coming back speaking of fairies so <laughs> season two of that where Cara Delevingne is a fairy totally forgot about uh, Carnival I need Row to, I need more of yeah. that as well so so fairy goodness coming your way can I just say so, the, the the story about um, She Hulk, mm. which which has been announced on Variety, right? As we speak, this is this is I mean pointless to mention because by the time this comes out on the book, but as we speak, I have not received an email from Disney about that telling me that that data's moved. So, and so <laughs> I'm relying on Variety and assuming because I'm going to have to change my preview of it. Boy, it's like, I am shocked. I have not been personally informed by no, Kevin Feige that this has moved. I refuse <laughs> to believe until Kevin picks up the phone and tells me himself. I mean, but I genuinely haven't had any press release about it. That's just weird that yeah. the Variety's literally said it's been put back a day. I think they've done it specifically for the Empire Spoiler Special podcast so that right. we don't have a meltdown right. and have to do multiple episodes oh, yeah. on a day. Okay. So I think it's really just a favour from Kev to us. That makes sense. Yeah, Fair enough. I think so. The really most exciting news of the week, though, in terms of project announcements, yeah. surely has to be the coming together of one of your favourite TV creators and my oh. favourite... Yes, the creator of C, actor, Stephen yes. Knight. Yes. is going to work with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, I veil. did think you very funny. I saw that, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. dream combo. Oh, yeah. What a dream collab. It's titled... This is a limited series titled The Veil... Described as a thriller that explores the surprising and fraught relationship between two women who play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, the other a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. This looks like high concept, like sci-fi gubbins with Elizabeth Moss involved. Written by Stephen Knight, who is yeah. an absolute maverick loose cannon when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that is really exciting. I mean, it could it? be high concept. It could just be two people on a road trip having a conversation. Like, it's not entirely clear from the synopsis. <laughs> no, you weren't listening. 
<laughs> one is on a mission to reveal the secret before thousands of lives are lost. Yeah, it could be a really juicy piece of gossip that would undo the fabric of society. Are, Who knows? Are, Who knows? Okay. I'm right. just saying, at no Fine. point did they say one of them's an alien. Like, it's like, you don't oh, know. Yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. yeah. They may not be, oh, you're right, yeah. This may not be a... But we meant, a, it's definitely high concept. But I, put it this way, I will be watching it 100%. Yes. yes. We so, will be watching it. You know, uh, it's un, unclear whether Bubba Voss will appear in a kind of crossover event, but, oh, you know, God. Stephen Knight, yeah, it could happen. Yeah. But we spoke yeah. about She Hulk briefly, and obviously She Hulk stars Tatiana Maslany, who is fantastic. She's playing She Hulk. She became famous for multiple roles in Orphan Black. Uh, Kristen Ritter who was, of course, Jessica Jones, mm. is going the other way, and she's going to be starring in an Orphan Black sequel series, which is called Orphan Black Echoes, which takes a, and I quote, deep dive into the exploration of scientific manipulation of human existence. So, there you go. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, Orphan Black was really, really good, so uh, that would be an exciting really one. And Kristen Ritter's also very, very good as well. Sure. So that's exciting. Uh, Beth, at Atlanta, there was a trailer for season four of Atlanta. Did you see that? I didn't see it, No. Oh, I'm, have you turned? Uh, have you turned? I've um, I've withdrawn slightly. I um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I was a little bit let down for that season, really? to be honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not for now. Um, but I had I just had some qualms with it, and um, I'll, I'll watch it. I love them. I love the cast, but I think the writing. Let it down a bit this okay. season. Well, it lost me with that ridiculous first episode of the new season. So, uh, yeah. sorry. Um, other things that are lost: First Lady has been cancelled. Yeah, I mean, season. I mean, sometimes you know, I don't like. To, I'm not saying you know, I'm not pleased when anything is axed, but that is the right decision. Okay. That, that that series just did not work. It was just a weird waste of that of a concept, really. It yeah, just, and, a lot, and talent. Talent, yeah. And a lot of talent. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. Um, We'll always have O.T. Fab Benley as Barack Obama. He was great. He was very good. And the other thing that I've got, so obviously Stranger Things 5 has finally, writing has finally begun on the fifth season. So they are writing the final oh season my God, of Stranger that's, Things. Is, I, thought, I, I didn't even see that story. Huh? Yeah. I assumed yeah. they'd yeah. been, been writing it for yeah. months. No, no, they've what just the started. Day one, they put up a, a tweet of, the, and it's literally a whiteboard, and it just says Stranger Things 5 at the top. The writers were wow. like, right, wow. we're beginning. To be fair, they're probably still rewriting season four after it had gone up, and yeah. they were just going yes. in and editing new, new bits of it. That tweaking thing is wild, yeah, but they're yeah, still yeah. messing with it. It's like they've gone full George Lucas. Like, guys, let it go. Yeah. It's like me with this podcast. Put I was out, just, like, just going to say take that. Take it out a little bit there. Oh, no, no. Boyd's done this. Then I yeah. move that over there. He's a little oh, bit too. I've got to do a drop in. I've got to do a drop in. Uh, oh, a whoosh. There's a whoosh There's coming. A whoosh. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so I sympathize. You know, I like to think me and the Duffer brothers are in many ways peers in this regard. So, Absolutely. you know, creators that we are. Uh, any other news before um, we press I think it's good to see that Shooty Gatwa confirmed that he's definitely in the next series of mm. Sex Education because people were um, speculating. Mm. I think you actually Well, that would have been a massive. That he wasn't because of because he's been cast as, as the doctor, obviously. But yeah. um, he will definitely, obviously, Eric will be back <laughs> in season four for sure, alongside his friend Otis. Yes, played by Isabel. Seamless. No one oh, will ever know that you got the names confused yeah. in the previous take. <laughs> um, okay, great. Let's move on then to this week's reviews and. We begin this week with a particularly interesting challenge because the first one up this week, we have A League of Their Own, which takes us back to 1947, cost of all new characters, sorry, no Madonna this time, and in a spin-off of the 1992 Gina Davis slash Tom Hanks movie about the World War II All-American Professional Women's Baseball League. At which point I would normally say, Boyd, is this one in a league of its own? But I can't because it turns out... It turns out that even though we have watched this and even though we have prepared our thoughts on this, yeah. an email may have sort of wound its way into our inbox this morning saying, guys, remember, this is embargoed until Wednesday. Uh-oh. So 
What we now have to do <laughs> is review this without reviewing it in some fashion yeah. that does yeah. not violate the embargo, which may not be as ironclad as the embargo for the special secret thing that Boyd and I saw last mm. night, but still yeah. is an embargo. So, yeah. how about it, Boyd? Well, <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? It was a let me just say it was a blow when I received. I was thinking, you know, it doesn't matter because sometimes. It's, some, it's all print reviews. Embargo on print reviews are what they really yeah. focused on. Set they, in stone. When I say they, yeah. I mean the the gatekeepers of all the TV shows we yeah. review, yeah. basically. Um, and so some, sometimes they kind of do play fast and loose and they're like not that bothered of whether we cover, cover stuff. Remember with the Paramount Plus? Remember Paramount Plus? Yeah. We, we, we basically reviewed 95 <laughs> shows. They're all coming out. And still got shit from people for not doing every episode right. of every one of them. But I remember, actually, they were, they were in, in theory, embargoed a lot of those reviews for... I did get permission print. to You got permission, yes. right. So I asked them if yeah. we break the embargo. And I've had chats, you know, with... Um, this is quite boring, inside of bullshit. But I've, you know, with publicists, like, oh, yeah, we don't mind too much, you know. It's, it's a, it is an ambiguous thing. But, I, but we were like, oh, okay, let's get, we've got these screens of a league of their own. Um, and then I was just reminded this very morning <laughs> that the embargo is Wednesday, two days after the podcast goes out. So it's, 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 it's not the best thing. But so what we can say is... Well, we can talk about what it we've is. We've definitely seen it. Yes. It's definitely, like, it's a really good idea. So I would say this, for, <laughs> to create a TV series in 2022 that... It spins off from the film, mm. League, the League of Their Own film, which was brilliant with Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna was in it. And the whole idea of the film was, um, directed by Penny Marshall, mm. that um, there was actually, in the wartime period, in the Second World War, when men were busy fighting, um, that they got women to create a league of playing to play baseball, to keep the public interested in baseball. Kind of That's a kind of simplified version of what was going on. <laughs> but... I love that film, by the way. Yeah, so do I. Love it. It's such love a it. such a loved, and and I think it, you know some, but obviously all, p- creators of TV shows are always looking for you know things that they can use that have been on you know all kinds of IP of any kind. It's just better to to create a show that has some kind of brand already for it, and this and sometimes it feels like they're doing that in a crass, exploitative, stupid way. But this is absolutely not one of those examples. Yeah. This was like a really good idea to me. Yeah. And without reviewing it in detail, let me just say that if you liked the tone, that the, 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 the film has this kind of breezy, very, very um, accessible, wryly mm. funny tone to it, that this captures really well. And yet it doesn't feel in any way like a dated way of dealing with it. It feels, it feels very modern in the way it deals with sexuality, more modern than that film. Mm. The way it, It's up front. It takes the sexuality stuff and the race stuff yeah. and puts it up front in that first episode that we've all seen that we can't review. Yeah. <laughs> and it does it very... And it possibly does it very, very well. Possibly. It possibly. It if we're like allowed it to say so. Really well. So my way of avoiding the review is it's a really good idea they've done this. Whoever came up with it, that film that came out, because it was a long time ago that yeah, film came out. 30 years. Fuck, fucking hell, that is incredible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whoever came up with the idea, kudos, because it's a really work. As an idea, it really works. And the execution, I think, may well be <laughs> really good as well. So I would be surprised if anyone feels let down in any way when they clap eyes on this series that we're not allowed to review. Beth, how do you think you will feel when you experience this embargo TV so, series? 
And I need to add an extra, an extra in keeping an eye on this scrappy show at the moment. We're in, so we're in this new place. I don't have access. My internet's gone down, so I can't access any of the notes that I made oh. at the moment. So I am going to borrow some it. of your Wikipedia pages. Someone's going to be funny. Um, <laughs> so I will, I will skirt around this by saying, in our issue of Empire that's out this Thursday, I had the real pleasure of speaking with Abby Jacobson. Oh wow! Who um, we'll know from she's the co-creator of Broad City with Alana Glazer and she's co-created this show with a guy called Will Graham who I believe is also um, involved Friend of Hannibal Lecter's <laughs> Have I got that right? Yes, Will Graham, yeah oh, Look at me go and um, <laughs> he I think was also involved with Broad City and they've co-created this and what I spoke to Abby Jacobson about do you see how I'm doing this? What I spoke to Abby Jacobson <laughs> about was how she brought a modern spin to this beloved as we said Penny Marshall film by bringing in a lot of different stories so it's worth mentioning with this you know there's that there's that key scene in A League of Their Own where uh, Gina Davis's character runs up and there's a black woman who's a who's a baseball player and she throws a wicked hand or whatever it's called I don't do sports <laughs> which just shows how much I, I love a, this a wicked, film played a wicked hand oh she plays a wicked hand um, <laughs> where Pitch. she thinks she's going to throw it thank you yeah. where she thinks she's going to throw it to Gina Davis and it actually goes even further and it goes to a, to a player even further down the pitch and they're like what the hell and it's this one singular scene in this show the, the black characters are as key to the show as the white characters are there's also um, multiple queer love stories within this show which are depicted authentically and are written really wonderfully Abby Jacobson is, is a queer show writer as well so she's kind of brought her own spin to it in that respect so taking something as, as beloved and, and wonderful and that really stands up as well you know 30 years on I, I rewatched it this year it, it still stands it's still it's still absolutely wonderful to take that preserve everything that is um wonderful and great and good about that film and bring it into somehow bring it into a modern day while maintaining that it's set in 1947 um is exactly what we spoke about in that story and how she did that and how it really 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 works well that is a sounds like a very mm. informative interview <laughs> you did there well done uh, I did not do any interviews I did watch the trailer for this before, uh, before sitting down I enjoyed the trailer I thought it was good I didn't enjoy the trailer as much as I enjoyed the trailer for the original film I have to be honest like, it had the same sort of warmth yeah. uh, which I think the original did have but uh, the trailer for this obviously short because only two minutes long trailers are, so yeah, you can't really yeah, get a yeah. real feel for it from those two minutes but I will say I was quite drawn into some of the uh, the sort of the new characters, as you say, lots of different stories being told, and some of the characters have very interesting stories. So it kind of it, it feels it feels very textured because it has more room to breathe in this particular mm. trailer. Like I say, the trailer <laughs> itself not that much longer than the trailer for the film, but something gives the impression that it's dealing with stories in a sort of broader, more in depth way. Yeah. So yeah, I think this has got legs, and uh, I look forward to seeing other things that are not the trailer and are in fact the full show, which I think I will enjoy. I also really enjoyed Darcy Carden in the trailer, who plays Janet in the good place yes got to do some really really amazing cool stuff hot stuff in that trailer very good very good that is in fact the trailer for a league of their own which is embargoed until wednesday but does land on prime video on 12th of august August. the 12th of august the 12th of august
Right, next up we have Apple's Five Days at Memorial. Now this one is based on the 2013 non-fiction book by journalist Sherry Fink and it sees Vera Farmiga as a doctor at New Orleans Memorial Medical Center when Hurricane Katrina hits, throwing the hospital and of course the entire city into crisis. And who better to tear through this one than Hurricane Beth? <laughs> oh God, could you imagine that hurricane? <laughs> a nightmare. Um, yes, I am going to have to borrow from Boyd on this, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, um, not not in my wheelhouse generally this show um i i'm not really down for kind of like non-fiction disaster-led stuff uh, i like vera Famigo, obviously she's incredible and i i did bristle slightly when there's a lot of establishing sort of the first half of this so you've got her that's the doctor anna powell who is like a deeply religious doctor and and i i've got to say it unless you're a all the doctors and shows have got going for them usually are they're sexy on there your ERs your, your Grey's Anatomy sexy doctors is, is usually it throwing religion and you're in trouble I think you're just like oh god like a religious hot doctor alright um, and, and it's primarily sort of she's sort of shown as one of the this cool cast next to um, uh, sort of the other person that really stood out to me is Cherry Jones who plays uh, someone called Susan Mulderick I am reading this off boys screen I, I could not do this on my own um, who's sort of the she keeps me right she's sort of head of, of damage control and um, it's, a, it's a slow burn this episode so it starts with kind of the, the beginnings of the day the wind sort of whipping through the, the trees and things we know what's coming um, and then it is this like real I, I was not expecting to like this as much as I did and I really did like this by the end of the first episode this real kind of pot boiler pressure cooker of an episode um, where it goes from kind of the ins and outs of a oh I even forgot the cold open there's a there's an opening which I won't go into that establishes things with a real sort of punch in the face and then it goes into establishing the hospital um, so yeah so, so yeah you do have that in the, the back of your mind um, and then yeah and then you know you ultimately know what's coming, but um, when the shit hit the fan, I, I the, the last is it the last ten minutes of that episode? I think it is when you really are you you're mm. literally in the crux of the storm, and the hospital that they're in is is being ripped apart basically, and and it's just astonishing how it goes. I, I think it really is a testament to the writing with this, like how it goes from even with the warnings and things that they're going about it as a normal day and you believe that that is what you would do in their position as well like there's there's nothing kind of untowards as to how these these medical professionals are going about their day checking in with the patients taking care of the patients you know that it's established really really well it's a normal it's a normal kind of environment that then yeah you just it really makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up i think with this and by the end I haven't watched the next episode of this yet, but I, I definitely will be. Just a really, I knew it was going to be interesting, but there's something, there is a real kind of disaster movie element to this that I really didn't see coming. Like the budget that they've put into this, the effects, um, there's a really chilling moment where a, a patient who is is um, not very lucid kind of walks away from the ward and he's going to kind of look out of a window and he's just staring at... Um, this 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 incoming storm, this very real incoming storm, um, and it's it's just chilling. Um, and then of course you've got you know what's coming and you know what's going to come next, and all the political turmoil that came from it as well. But obviously it's just very 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 focused on uh, this emergency room and these people. And Vera Famiga is is incredible in this as well. She gets to do some really like dangerous stuff towards the end. Um, yeah, I was really gripped by this, and and I like to be you know I like to be surprised by stuff. So so I was I was very into this. 
Also nice to see Apple's camera being broken out again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone tweeted about this, didn't they? Like there is there is like a I I I don't get the techie stuff, but yeah, there there seems to be some Roman reason behind it. I I, I mean, I, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah. I, absolutely. I mean, it is a, yet another. I mean, it is like we're being paid by Apple, but we're not. I mean, we're really not. <laughs> no, we did, no, we're not. No. Surface. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, Surface, yeah. Um, this is just, oh, this has a really interesting um, backstory as well, because this was originally going to be um, the second series of American Crime Story. What? Amer- yeah. American Crime Story, which started with the OJ um, yeah. series, which is an absolute masterpiece, and then ended up Gianni Versace was the second yeah. season. But there was a point where Ryan Murphy wanted to tell the story, this story of the um, of Hurricane Katrina and how and, and the crime, if you like, of it is the mistakes that were made everywhere, you know, all over the place, from the people within the hospital to the politicians to the police, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to the huge amount of crime that happened in and around the whole situation, which it does touch on. I've watched three episodes. But episode two particularly starts looking at the kind of the the criminal activity. Terrifying, terrifying. Because basically the whole city turns into this kind of anarchic, you know, um, uh, crime wave Mm. on top of the physical disaster that has been wrought by the hurricane itself and the loss of power and all of that. It just becomes this kind of horrendous, horrific situation that with that kind of pans out in all kinds of really scary ways but what's interesting is that i think the technology of of, of visual effects has improved improved so much like year on year yeah. if this had been made like a few years ago say five years ago yeah. as american crime stories season two then it wouldn't have been as amazing because the technical stuff in this the way you for example, it just op- in yeah. in one of the early scenes is is then it, the f- whole of New Orleans flooded yeah, yeah. and yeah. you're like oh yeah it's just flooded it's almost like you're watching a documentary I was thinking that was that, shot how did they do how that? the fuck yeah. did yeah. they do it and every single shot of the hurricane itself and of the damage that it that it that it it, it wrought is just so completely believable yeah. it's astonishing so on a technical level it's it's in- incredible yeah then i think it's brilliant brilliantly it's it's an adaptation of a book called, which was called five days at memorial life and death in a storm ravaged hospital by sherry fink who's a journalist and i think worked as a, a, in, the, in the medical field as well so she kind of had all the expertise needed to write but as an account of um people try people stuck in the middle of the most extraordinary situation that you you can't conceive of. They know this hurricane is coming, the workers in this hospital, like the officials, if you like. There's one, you know, brilliant stuff about the official looking through the book of, you know, of a guide to what to do in these disastrous situations. Of course, there is no guide to what to do when the worst hurricane in the world fucking flattens your hospital and you have elderly patients um, to deal with and you have, and just no one knows what the fuck to do. So they're kind mm. of making it up as they go along. And it really has that kind of you're watching this thing unfold in the most terrifying way and it just is so well done you're right the right the dialogue is so believable the performances are all so yeah. naturalistic it's really and yet it kind of does have undoubtedly a disaster movie quality to it as well mm. and i actually love disaster it's one of my favorite genres i completely like Towering Inferno, I saw when I was like six years old, is one of my still one of my favorite films. <laughs> and I, so and this does unashamedly establish this group of characters in a slightly 
you'd say soapy way, but it's not really soapy at all. It's just it's just showing you these characters and what you you know as fully rounded personalities, and then thrust them into this mm. horrific disaster in very much disaster movie style. But that means that the storytelling is unbelievably gripping. And I, uh, like you, I, by the end of the first episode, I just had to carry on mm. watching. Well, you you did you didn't want to, <laughs> but I really, I really wanted yeah, to. Yeah, you were busier yeah. than me. <laughs> I had I did carry on watching, and I watched episode two, then I watched episode three, and it just is a phenomenal piece of work. It's mm. just mm. absolutely spectacularly brilliantly done and as you say it does that classic disaster thing where we know what's happening and they're like oh it's gonna be fine yeah, oh, yeah. Been, oh we will be fine we have a couple of days you should get a bit wet and you're just like oh shit uh but that ratcheting of tension i think there's that cathartic moment when they realize that they are in the shit mm. yeah. uh and it's just the pivot that they do there there's a bit with a walkway which actually really reminded me of the walkway in the uh the dark night you know the dark night hospital mm. the blows up. remind me of that mm. there's a bit with a walkway which is really full on which separates yeah. two parts of the hospital and it becomes clear shall we say that walkway is not going to last uh, yeah. But yeah, it's really tense. It's beautifully done. And I had the same thing as you. I was watching this. I don't know how they did this at certain yeah. points. I mean, sure, CGI will have been a factor into it. But even then, I'm like, there are there are people in the flooded city. Like how? Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. suffice to say, it's extremely well done. It is lavish, isn't it, Boyd? Um, yeah. uh, it is. Yeah, it's 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 a good one. And I think Cherry Jones is the is the is the is the fascinating mm. one because yeah. her, she's the one she's the one I met who's who's stuck there trying to work out what the fuck to do. Yeah. Um. And she's just fantastic in the role. And it's so interesting. These are all real people, by the mm. way. In, in, you know, these are real people whose stories were told in that book. Yeah. And that adds that whole other layer to it as well. It's, we should say it's directed by John Ridley and Colton Cuse, and they have done and written and directed by by the two of them together, who but are you know have done brilliant stuff. John Ridley wrote the script for Twelve Years a Slave, etc. Mm. Um. But they have done a phenomenal job. You cannot. You know, I can't imagine this being done better than it is. You know, so, yeah, fair. You know. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, of course, Beth would rather have seen Ryan Murphy have a crack at it, but uh, you I know. was going to say that only makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And by like the way, one final embargo thing, right? This is this is true. I when I first watched the screeners of this, the the, the Apple. This is again the Apple screeners portal said the embargo was like. Monday, I think, when we came out. But yeah, now it says now no no now it says David. It's definitely changed. And no, again, no one's told me that the embargo. I wrote I've written a review of it, five star review in Heat, and they haven't complained to me. So I'm just preempting any complaint about this review of this show that may have been embargoed. I don't know. But it embargo, wasn't embargoed initially, but they may have no, subsequently embargoed. I, I honestly, I guarantee you, I went into the portal and it said embargoed. The date was fine. I was allowed. To, I, that's why I wrote I wrote a full review of it in Heat. It's already out, published. So fuck knows what's going on. But apologies in advance to anyone <laughs> at Apple who gets annoyed that we've broken <laughs> oh, our God. second embargo of our three reviews. Yeah. Well, if they keep moving embargoes, I don't know what we're supposed to do about that. But, exactly. Uh, uh, well, okay. Well, that is Five Days at Memorial, which lands on Apple TV Plus on Friday and may or may not be embargoed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, this week, though, we have a show that is not embargoed because it is, in fact, out. It was embargoed, which is why you guys didn't do it last week. Uh, but this is The Sandman, based on Neil Gaiman's 1989 comic book, which, to be honest, should leave very little introduction. Uh, this is often described in the same breath as Watchmen, as kind of like the Citizen Kane of the comic book media. It is weird, it is captivating, it's very often horrifying, and it is downright deranged at times. Uh, this is the story of Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams, and his quest to regain his realm. Now, <laughs> who better to talk about this than our very own Lord of Dreams, <laughs> the man who single-handedly sent Stephen Frears to the dreaming... <laughs> Mr. Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, that was, I like that. That was yeah, really good. That was, good. That was very good. Um, well, whatever you're about to say is wrong. Just, can we just get that out there right now? Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. Uh, Put it this way. I think it's interesting that it's taken 
decades to get this fucking thing on yeah. the screen, right? There's a reason for that. Because this con the whole concept, I mean, like for example, right, compared to Watchmen, I know the the original, the film of the Watchmen, you can, you know, it's, it's great. Sort of, I, I enjoyed great. it, actually. I, like I did it. enjoy it. Mm. But the TV show is a masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. The TV series of Watchmen is an object lesson in how to take a very difficult, challenging set of, of you know, of um, original graphic novels or whatever and turning it into television drama. By doing quiet. something completely <laughs> different. By doing something completely Yeah, actually, yeah. Mm. By doing something completely different. And it, and it, and it, yeah. and it just used the characters in a way. And this, which I imagine, I have not read, <laughs> funnily enough, the, the graphic novels, the graphic novels, comic books, whatever you want to call them, yeah. Oh, you're um, testing him. Yeah, I'm <laughs> testing him. Already, that, that it's, it's in so many. It's often described as a graphic novel. It's in so many volumes. I'm just calling it a comic. I sometimes think, you know, there yeah. is a distinction between the two. Though I think I'm slightly woolly on what that is. Well, if you're woolly, then yeah. you imagine me. Well, well that's good to Let's know. Let's just call it a comic. I'm glad you're woolly uh, on it. Yeah, I would right. call it a comic. Right. Um, this has such a kind of what's the word for it? Flighty tenuous central no. concept because you have to buy, no 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 I'm saying you have to buy into the idea that Tom Sturridge's character Morpheus slash dream the king of dreams the ruler of the dreaming blah 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 is a he's not a god he's not a superhero he's a kind of being and this is my own you know interpretation I'm sure James can correct me he's a kind of I'm being sure who rules the, our dream world. So everyone dreams, and we, we have to buy into the idea that the dream state that we all have, just dreaming, is a state, is a, is a, is a way... Oh, God, I'm already losing it because it's so difficult. <laughs> it's such a difficult, tenuous thing to try and... to get a hook onto. And he is the personification, if you like, of the dream world, I think. I think that's what he is. Anyway, you're kind of introduced to him in the first episode in this wild scene, a very entertaining scene, actually, where um, in, like, 1916, there's this weird occult ritual being played out um, by Charles Dance, who's brilliantly entertaining, mm -hmm. as Sir Roderick Burgess, a charlatan occultist, and him and his son, who he hates, and his son, his poor son, is kind of, like, you know, trying to please him, and he's, and he's annoyed with him. And they somehow rustle up the dream Morpheus character, played by Tom Sturridge, and for some reason they put him in a glass case for 100 years... And he's naked for almost the entire first episode. Yeah. Um, Chilly. And you don't really know why. I couldn't really work out why they were doing that. But he is. And then in the second episode, which I've carried on watching it because I had to go right, or I think I've vaguely I have a clue what's going on. <laughs> and then I'll carry on. Maybe I have more of a clue. He returns to his dream world that he created himself with his sidekick, um, you know, character who is, you know, Vivian Achimpong. Who, 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 Lucian, Yes. Yeah, Lucian. Um, and she's like the only person who, in his like world who's um, had the patience to wait for 160 years or whatever for him to return. And then we meet other people who all have kind of like living in the dream world, I think, because they Cain have gargoyles. Cain and Abel. Sanjeev Bhaskar, Chowdhury, yeah, legends. Yeah, they have a... Oh, I love them. Yeah, they have a gargoyle that is like a little walking, talking... Bless him. ...gargoyle thing. Um, called, what's he called again? Gregory. Yeah, Gregory. Gregory. Greg, which is quite amusing. So there's a kind of tonal, you know, once they come in episode two, there's a kind of slightly, almost comic, Riley funny tone, which I, I've seen Neil Gaiman try and do before. Um, 
Wow. Not convinced um, that it's that funny. Um, but at least it's like, it's then it ends up being slightly less pompous than because the, the first episode is really like everyone is, everyone's de- delivering their lines in that portentous way of like, you know, particularly um, Dream played by Tom Stone. Tom Stone is, He doesn't speak for the first episode. No, I mean, he speaks a bit. You're right. But then in the second episode, he makes up for it with he lots does. of, lots of holding lots forth. Lots of chat. Yeah. Of chat. In, in that kind of, again, any kind of, it's kind of speaks in a very like a whispery. <laughs> I then I then hold forth to this return, whereas everyone gone to my dream world, right? Kind of thing. Um, and and it's just and then um, he's the psychic says at one point, "You are the dreaming. The dreaming is you." Things like that. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? What does anything mean? The problem with it is, I couldn't get a handle on it, as I think I've conveyed, hopefully. I I'm getting found, that impression. Yeah, I found I the concept so difficult to get a handle on and why I should care on what the, what are the stakes mm. because it seems once you enter this the problem for me with all these things what particularly a thing with dream with, with films and shows where there's loads of cgi dream stuff going on as there believe me there is in this is that why should you care about any of it like what, what who gives a shit like because it has no con- so the, going back to my com- the reason why i brought up <laughs> watchmen i'm having my breeders moment i am having <laughs> my breeders moment calm calm stay calm the reason why i brought up the watchmen comparison is because that was grounded in yeah. an absolute reality yeah and it flies off into incredible you know if a ma- naked blue man in the middle of it right fine yeah. but because it yeah. takes the time and effort and the brilliant writing oh yeah uh, to 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 establish a world that has a connection to our living world experience our lived experience yeah. it totally works this is no connection at all for me I had no connection to anything yeah. i could not get handle on any of it i couldn't even get handle on why what was being shown one set of characters and then cuts to another set of characters there didn't seem any connection between them at all the jolie richardson character like, what the mm. fuck's she doing? And suddenly she has a power to do something as well. That she seems like a normal human being, and then she's. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I found it. I had. I just. And I have no. I'm problem with it for me is I really wanted to like it. I genuinely. I, but it baffled you. It baffled me, yeah. and I don't think it establishes. I think it is deeply flawed. It does not establish any stakes whatsoever for anyone in it, and I don't know understand why who I'm rooting for. What's supposed? What I'm supposed to be interested in, and I, there's nothing in it that made me want to carry on watching it. I'm sorry. Okay, well, that's now- it. I, on, no, I feel back. like I'm going to step into diffuse because wait uh, in, wait in I've uh, I've I've seen this happen before quite recently. <laughs> I'm um, but also just to say, I, I'm I largely. I, Actually, do you know what? I'm worried because I think I'm going to rile you up even more. He's got oh. the he's got the wide eyes. <laughs> he's, got the wide eye. he's got a sort of grimace. He's got a gargoyle look. Um, I've gone full Gregory. That's say I, I do. The one caveat is I really liked. So, as a courtesy to James, because I anticipated something like this happening, I did. <laughs> I watched three episodes, oh, wow. and Jenna Coleman yes. is fucking excellent oh, in this. Okay. Jenna Coleman is is fucking great. Just about saved it for me. Right. Just about, but I agree with every single thing you're saying. And to add to that. It looked like BBC te- like tea time telly. It looked, James is like head is basically split in oh, two. Maybe having an aneurysm. It, it looked like a it looked like a like a BBC like a Sunday mm. what six, are you talking six about? or seven PM drama. Oh, God. It, oh my like it, god! It, it doesn't yeah, look like mean. a like a massive Netflix budget show at all. I think like, it does. Mm, I, no, the, even the gargoyle Gregory was cute. Gregory, he had a cute face. Yeah, I'll grant you, Gregory is not the yeah. best deployment of CGI. Yeah, like, yeah. And the first, the whole first episode to me looked like it, it belonged on like BBC about yeah, like about seven o'clock on oh a god. Saturday Sunday. <laughs> I was really surprised. I was expecting. 
beautiful, fantastic, like lush palettes and like exotic worlds and dreams, like the stuff of dreams. And instead it feels like just a very like local British, like British made kind of yeah like a bbc okay. budget bbc drama you're just upsetting me now you're just you're just you're just upsetting i'm doing me now. my job i'm doing my duties i'm doing my job and now i'm gonna run and just hide under this table while you just like spew i'm just gonna say that, to, to quote luke skywalker in the last jedi everything you just said is wrong so so this to quote is yourself really this yeah, is a stone cold fucking masterpiece oh, of a was show. it ever gonna it be anything else for peerless you example babe. of how to take an unadaptable thing and turn it into a glorious 10-part television show. I thought this was absolutely magnificent and I can't say enough good things about it. I think he is perfectly cast, Tom Sturridge, in a role that is very, very hard to cast, but he inhabits Dream, the character, so beautifully. The thing that I've always had with Sandman, so Sandman is one of these incredible comics. The only thing that's ever put me off Sandman is I don't get on with the art style. And that's not a very popular opinion and Helen has yelled at me many times about this, but the art style of it just doesn't quite gel with me and so actually getting this story but seeing it in this sort of lush lavish Netflix production which looks like it spent all the money in the world on it and the BBC can only dream of doing uh, I just loved it I I cannot tell you how much I love this and I love this for all the reasons that Boyd hated it which is because it is dense and it is completely disconnected from our reality with almost no points of crossover and it's this incredible bit of world building that you can just immerse yourself in and there's so many different levers to hold on to of stuff that's just like terms like the endless and the dreaming and all this sort of stuff and it's like it's like the mythology for me to just hoover up and digest was just absolutely wonderful for me i was ecstatic about it but more than that like the way the comic is is episodic the way you start off with this guy who's been captured for 100 years and imprisoned and then he has to go and he has to regain his amulet he's got to regain his bag of sand he's got to regain his helmet and like so they're very specific quests he has to go on each episode of this show is completely not standalone but it is self-contained quest. It is a self-contained thing that he goes on so it has a different flavour. It has different actors. It has a different environment. So you have him essentially not speaking in a glass sphere for the first episode and it's all about Charles Dance and his son. It's all about their relationship and they've got this member of the Endless in their basement and they keep him there and the effect that it has on the broader world when the Lord of Dreams is not available, which sets up stuff to come. Boyd Holbrook plays the Corinthian, who is a demonic dream. He's a nightmare manifest. He's a manifest nightmare with teeth for eyes, which is deeply upsetting, but he has a smaller role in the comic and now he's been spread out more in this. He's introduced earlier, he has much more to do, so they've made him a more persistent villain through this, which I think was a very, very smart move. But that second episode, you have Dream returning to the Dreaming, and you have Cain and Abel, and you have all of that stuff going on. But then you get into, which I loved, which was episode three, which is Joanna Constantine, not John Constantine from the comics, partly because I didn't have the rights to the character, I think, but also I think it's a wonderful idea to make her a different character from that family, and she's fantastic in that episode. And then you go into the fourth episode, which is Hell, which is Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, and it's Dream Goes to Hell. So each one of these has a completely separate flavour, and they are all fucking magnificent. Magnificent! I don't know what is wrong with you. They're just wonderful. I could not get enough of this. I am obsessed with it. I can't stop thinking about it. This is slammed into my top five of the year with a bullet. Like, I absolutely love this show. And I just think... I would never have thought it was possible to adapt that comic and I think they've just done a masterful job. I am slightly concerned about what's going to happen when we get to the, shall we say, diner 
sequence. Oh, uh, right. If you right. know, you know. I but don't know what he's talking about. Fucking hell. Uh, so I'm not quite sure how that's going to go. Let's just say it's quite graphic. It's quite graphic and let's just leave it there. So, and, and let's, let's not fuck about. Like, this Sandman is a horror comic. It is a horror comic and he's genuinely deeply disturbing and upsetting in places. Oh, wait um, a minute. Well, I mean, nothing I've seen so far is remotely oh, disturbing. Oh, but it comes in there. I mean, even the Corinthian himself is quite a horrific character, but I suspect he's going to get more extreme as it goes along. So it's a very, very dark story this is with lots of very dark elements to it. So to a certain extent, like, I'm, like this is not going to be a show for everyone. It's partly because you'll get people like yourself, Boyd, who like things. Like, you know how I like a non-bellend character to anchor me in the humanity of a show. Mm. I know you need a, like a sliver of reality to cling to. You can't have 100%. There has to be something that you can relate to. And I think it's a similar thing. You need something to hang on to. And this is very detached from our reality. It's a very separate plane of existence. I think it's, for me, it's the emotional stakes that are lacking more than anything. And that maybe comes down to the fact that it is so far removed from reality so maybe it's removed from humanity slightly like I found that like Father Son story and I'm really cold with Charles Dance and his mm. son like there's there's no salvaging that and I think having yeah. like the protagonist in a in a literal glass, glass case of emotion glass of emotion <laughs> but nobody can access he's inaccessible for that first episode literally mm. um, it's even you know even the heartwarming moment between the son and the mother with the with David Thewlis I, I just felt I felt David quite Thewlis. unmoved but mm. I mean, we're never, we were never going to agree on this. You were never going to like this. You were never. I, I, I wonder whether Boyd might get it. I did wonder when I was watching it. I was thinking because this is really dense fantasy stuff. I thought I wondered whether you would you would struggle a bit with it. I was kind of I was holding out hope that you might like it. But yeah, I I I love this so much. I think it's I think it's just I mean, wonderful. I mean, I as really always, do. I'm just I'm happy for you. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy for you. I just don't think. Uh, I'm slightly surprised by the extent to which you love it. I have to say. I mean, I think, I think there's a whole. You know, if you have a huge attract, um, huge attachment to a a piece of work, you know, yeah. a piece of writing, or what, and you're excited that it's being finally transferred to the screen. But it makes you more critical as well. Oh no, no, I know, yeah. I know. But I, I, but I think like I don't know. I just feel. The, you you immediate you you do have an attachment to it and an understanding mm. of it that I think Which people helps. coming fresh yeah. to it do not have. Yeah. And while it tries to, I think I think th- th- I don't have a problem with something with, with a with a concept that is divorced detached from our lived reality. It's more that if you are going to do that, you really have to work very hard at explaining the rules to us, explaining what these characters can and can't do and I felt like it did not manage to do that things it just did, it did not manage to root it to any kind of alternate reality either so it's not so much that I wanted it to, because again I keep going back to this fucking Watchmen example but it's it, it's it's just it's a real skill it's hard it's really hard to get high fantasies hardcore fantasy mm. stuff to get people to care about characters that are so divorced from reality but it can be done I just think this failed I'm sorry I think it really failed and I think there's going to be a massive divide oh, yeah. I think but the divide is going to be, going to be. if you always. understand what yeah. the fuck is going on mm. because you've read the original what it's based on fine if you don't I just think people are going to be bewildered I see, I, and I, not even particularly entertained I think it's not it's scene for scene it's not I mean, it's, I, I literally am amazed that you said it was horror because I'm not, I'm not even remotely. It doesn't seem to be any attempt to scare but me I in the first don't two episodes. Think from the first so I don't two understand episodes, that at all. I don't think I from mean, the first two episodes you can really have an understanding of what the show is. I know it sounds really, but I, I genuinely don't think you can because it evolves as it goes along. And I think by the time you get about halfway through the series, you've got more of a handle on it. But it's not until I would say the end of episode four, maybe, that I think you're really on 
steady ground with this. Well, okay. uh, so I do think you need to press on to really get into it. I think you might be right in the understanding the source material. Obviously, I was never going to be baffled because I know what this is about. Helen is a huge, huge fan mm. of Sam, and she loved this as well. Mm. So I think that probably does help. I don't think it's exclusionary. I don't think you won't like it if you haven't read the comic. I just think you you maybe won't like it if you're not open to <laughs> having like a yeah. landslide of fantasy world building shoved on your head. Hey, 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 hey. This is classic. You know, you said the same thing when we got into Breeders. No, like, oh, we're not. No, no, I'm stopping this right, right now. That's calling a time. That's yeah. calling time. Yeah. That's the end of No, this. I don't mind. I don't mind that accusation. That's fine. But I I, I think that, um, I, I, I just think, what was the other Neil Gaiman adaptation? You know, the, the Amazon Prime show that he was involved with, which was Neil Gaiman and, um, do you know what I mean? The oh, what, of, um, Good Omens, the Terry Pratchett. Good Omens, right. Right, yeah. now Good Omens, uh, 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 scene for scene is funny and engaging and silly. It, has, it just has its, no, its tone is there from the start. Oh, it's, yeah, it's nothing right? like this. No, I know, yeah. but I'm just like, it is Neil Gaiman. He's involved there is in a it, connection. He's that's involved the in only it. connection. It's, All right. it's pure Pratchett, that is. Okay, but I just think it, it hasn't, it's not succeeding in what it's setting out to do. I just don't think it well, is so far. And I respectfully disagree. Yeah, but it's funny enough because the listener <laughs> question... let's keep it that the way. Listener, <laughs> <laughs> the listener question touched on how long you give shows, didn't it? That we were going to do. Yes. Maybe we'll do it next yeah, week. Because it, it is pertinent. But it but is if, pertinent. If it's going to take four episodes, yeah. But I think I mean, with Netflix, that may be a flaw. When they all drop at once, I think you know mm. people spend four hours watching all kinds of shit. So I think you could one hundred percent. But I gave this three episodes. I did give it three. Yeah. I watch, cast, I, I watch it for the cast because I watch it for Jenna Coleman and it's got fantastic people in it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going to the show. So many good people. In. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, do you know what? I'm going to carry on watching it. I'm get to end of episode I four. I just had no. Th- it's a visceral thing, isn't it? You get to the end of, yeah. an, uh, of an episode of a TV show. And I had no. Literally, it was no, there was a lack of visceral need to carry on watching it. Well, I can't no. wait for round two of this <laughs> next well, week. Well, the unqualified masterpiece that is The Sandman <laughs> on Netflix is available to stream now. Make sure you watch every episode because it is unmissable. Um, uh, what else is out this week, Boydie? Right, well, we've got Shetland, season seven. Jesus. Can you believe Doogie Henshaw um, on the Isle of Shetland? Uh, this is his last series. They're carrying on the show without him, um, so there'll be more of it. But people, Shetland, I, Shetland is uh, 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 definitely an above average um, crime thriller. So it's back on Wednesday, the 10th, on BBC One at nine o'clock. Lock and Key. The aforementioned. Yeah, um, the final season. Final of, season. Of the show that may or may not have fairies in it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. People get annoyed when I point this out. It's it's on Wednesday, 10th of August on Netflix, not Friday. <laughs> it, it's always it's always has significance, I think. Um, uh, and Rami, I would mention, which has been previously shown on Stars Play, um, is a really good show. It's season two. It arrives on Channel 4 on Friday, the 12th of August, 11.05pm. That is the show starring Rami Youssef, who's a stand-up, an American Muslim stand-up and actor, and it's all about about him and the American Muslim community and it's very very funny and perceptive and it has this season has um, Harshala Ali as well um, joining the cast and you can't want more than that great stuff I think that's mostly it yeah uh, and what is our pick of the week? I suspect we may be split I mean it's five days of more I mean I can't, I can't even say what my pick of the week is so I'll just have to not answer oh that's right <laughs> yeah, if you were allowed to <laughs> if you reviewed were, it it best, probably would have been best pick of the week is the interview she did for <laughs> the League of Their Own yeah <laughs> <laughs> and mine is of course The Sandman yeah. no shocks there but that is it for episode 198 Ooh. 
Jesus. As basic arithmetic will attest, we are growing terrifyingly close to the big 200. Obviously, we would love to celebrate with you all in person. So if you haven't yet got your tickets, do go and get them immediately. Uh, and, you know, I don't take the excuse, hey, James, I'd love to come, but I live thousands of miles away in a different country and it's just not practical. Nonsense! There are planes. There are boats. There are jetpacks. Find a way. Um, we will also accept bribes in the way of a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, which would, of course, get you absolutely nothing apart from our goodwill, but we would like them anyway. Um, find all the links for Pilot 200, of course, on my Twitter at James C. Dyer, and follow all three of us both on Twitter and Instagram, of course, at Beth K. Webb and at Boyd Hilton. Uh, next week, we'll have episode 199, when it'll be Beth's turn to be on holiday. So oh. we will have to struggle through there, which will be helped, I think, in part, because this very podcast will have one degree of Kevin Bacon as of Ooh. next week, as Kevin will be on the show to talk about all things City on a Hill. Uh, until then, though, I have six episodes of Better Call Saul, five episodes of The Sandman, and most crucially, the entire final season of C to watch. Justice for Baba Voss, redemption for Tamakti Jun. Let's do this thing. Pilot out. <laughs> Pilot out.